Hello, hello, hello. And welcome to the local edition. News and information to keep you connected in the Catskills in Northeast Pennsylvania. I'm your host for this Friday evening, Patricio Robayo. It's Friday, we made it. Thank you for spending your Friday evening with me. Hope you're doing well. Hope you're staying safe and enjoying this change of seasons. Today starts the National Hispanic Heritage Month. Just letting you know that we are kicking off Hispanic Heritage Month. We're excited to honor the rich and diverse cultures, traditions, and contributions of Hispanic and Latino communities in our great, not only nation, but also here in our county. Join us throughout this month as we shine a spotlight on incredible individuals, artists, musicians, writers, and leaders who have made an indelible mark on American history and continue to shape our future. Stay tuned to WJFF Radio Katska for special broadcast interviews and stories that celebrate beauty and vitality of the Hispanic culture. And today also starts at sundown, Rosh Hashanah, for those who celebrate. Happy New Year. Check out the Radio Katska podcast to hear my interview with Rabbi Lauren Ziegler, where we talk about the importance of this holiday. In the second half of the show, we'll be talking to the Hurleyville Performing Arts Center about Culture Fest. And this year, they're celebrating 50 years of hip hop. But first, it's Friday on the local edition. And every Friday, we check in with the one and only Chris Rowley from the Chuancock Journal. He's on the phone with us now to give us an update on cannabis. This is something that we've been talking about a lot, uh, Chris. Um, cannabis is a long process, longer than most people have expected uh, to be. But what is the latest update you have for us? Well, the, you know, it's an important story for our area because, um, you know, they are they have been saying that they were going to provide hundreds of jobs, which they would do if they could fully build out their their uh, approved project in uh, Allenville or Warsing. Uh, there could be anywhere from 200 to 400 jobs at that place. Um, so it's important to our area. So we we do we do kind of harp on it. And uh, finally, uh, on Tuesday, um, the Office of Cannabis Management, New York State's Office of Cannabis Management. Uh, bowed to the inevitable pressures and announced that the market in New York State will be fully open for cannabis uh, to be produced by a whole variety of applicants, including the big MSOs, the multi-state operators. That's like Cresco Labs, which is the company that wants to to build a 183,000-square-foot facility uh, on the old Shrey's Stroke Channel Master uh, property just north of the village of Allenville. Um, now, uh, the rules adopted will probably see, um, it, if, the, if it's not blocked by a court, court action, uh, retail medical outlets open by the end of the year. What they did was um, uh, they basically, get a, everyone's got to get hold of a couple of, couple of extra um, acronyms, like you don't have enough, right? But there's the C-A-U-R-D, which you need to, which is the conditional adult use retail dispensary licenses. Now, the rules of that were to require the applicants be people who are justice involved. That is convicted in the past of some kind of crime related to marijuana in New York State. But beyond that, they needed to show some business experience, preferably with a profit. Um, the other thing to hold on to is the TPI, which is the true party of interest rules. These were designed to prevent cross-ownership between cultivators and processors, which could be those big multi-state operators, uh, and retail. The, the concept was 
Um, I think the major force behind this concept was was Axel Bernabe, uh, chief of staff and senior police senior sorry uh, policy director for the uh, OCM. Uh, he came out of Andrew Cuomo's uh, administration. Um, obviously, he understood a lot of things, and what he was trying to do here, or they were trying to do, was to create something rather like New York State's um, liquor authority and uh, the spread of small mom and pop. Liquor, store, liquor and wine stores, uh, and prevent chain stores. Uh, you know, I mean, in some parts, some parts, some states in the United States, liquor stores are all owned by large chains. Not in New York State. We have little mom and pop stores all over the place. That was the concept. Um, but to get to that, uh, the true party of interest rules, which were published in December of mm-hmm. last year, 2022. And they were designed to prevent cross-ownership between the big companies uh, who will probably be the big cultivators and processors um, and the retail side. Um, so, the, and the dream was to create something similar to the way New York State controls uh, liquor and wine uh, and prevent vertical integration. What the big companies want is vertical integration. They want to grow their product. They want to process it into uh, the, the smokable thing, the, the edibles, all that kind of thing, and then they want to be able to retail it to the public. That way they can sort of control the whole thing and, and basically work out where they want to make their money. Right. Um, they would be denied that by the CPI in favor of the CAURD licensees. Um, anyway, uh, but by the, this summer, with two lawsuits and this new lawsuits going on right now from veterans, a group of veterans are in Kingston Court because they want to be included in the uh, in the groups uh, uh, of CAURD people. Uh, so the whole thing was dead in the water. There was nothing going on. Meanwhile, the New York State has caused two disasters to farmers. The first one, uh, the hemp overgrow a couple of years ago. There was a huge overgrow of hemp uh, to provide CBD. Most of it just rotted in barns. It, 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 they, there was no market in the end. Uh, then the, uh, the, to, to, to help those people, the state allowed them to grow THC cannabis, that's marijuana, last year uh, with the idea that by the end of last year, there would be lots of shops that they could push it to and it would sell. Uh-uh. There were no shops. So it's all just sitting in warehouses and barns. And the pro- it's not a product that lasts forever. It gradually disintegrates and goes bad. And so it's just going moldy. And, and, you know, and all those growers are out, they, you know, out of money, out of pocket, maybe twice. So the state has not done a really good job in all this. And um, so eventually I think the pressure grew too much and they just had to sort of move and say, basically, we've got to get some people in here who can do this. And so that means uh, that the corner of the TPI was lifted to allow those big companies with medical licenses, and Cresco has the medical license because that's how they came into the game. They bought one of those original licenses for medical cannabis. Um, they bought out the, 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 the small firm that owned it, and um, they have a medical license. So if they're now allowed to merge that with an adult use license, then they're in. Now, they'll have to spend $20 million to to take that on to to a uh, a retail outlet thing, but for them that's doable. However, um, they still have another thing to to that they all want the big companies, which is the SAFE Act to be passed by 
the Senate um, in Washington. Uh, that's on the federal level to break the logjam there and allow the cannabis companies to access the American banking system. Because at this point, because at the federal level, cannabis is illegal and it's still actually a Schedule One drug, uh, <laughs> um, which is another story. But, uh, you know, it's still regarded that way at the federal level and by the DEA and by conservative senators from states in the middle of the country. Uh, you know, it, you can't get bank loans. You can't actually even work with credit cards. You can't actually use American banks if you're a major cannabis or any kind of cannabis business, so, which means that cannabis shops tend to have a lot of cash, which leads to robberies, which leads to all kinds of stuff. Um, and it actually is, you know, can be dangerous for the rest of society. So um, that's a project that's that's in, in, in motion. And there was a little meeting uh, sponsored by Cresco in Ellenville on Tuesday to um, uh, bring in uh, uh, representatives from Senator Schumer's office and Senator Gillibrand's office to assure them of the support in our little area for uh, the, the passage of the SAFE Act, which... There's a complexity that I don't want to go into here because I've written about it. Uh, if you read it about three, four weeks ago, we did that. Uh, but it, it really is all hanging on one senator, which is from Rhode Island. Anyway, so all of that under the under the water, uh, under the bridge rather, um, and Cresco and uh, and so on, Curaleaf, Columbia Care, the big companies uh, will now, if they want, be able to uh, spend the twenty million and get fully into the game. And we're hoping that that will um, inspire them to perhaps uh, break ground at the uh, Schrade Channel Master site, which will become the Cresco site north of the village of Allenville. Uh, and large yellow equipment will move around, dust will fly, and uh, in two or three years we'll see a large, low-level, you know, single-story white laboratory building grow there, you know, and uh, they'll be producing their product. That's the hope. Um, anyway, but it, I mean, we just, we should just note that, uh, the, the, the national, um, cannabis market is in its early stages. It's very fluid. Um, and, and amongst other things that are happening, um, some of the companies are moving out of states that they've been in, uh, for various reasons that are, that they know better than anyone else. Um, and, you know, there's 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 sort of there are changes coming as they sort of work out where it's worth their where it's worth them investing and the rest of it. We really hope that they continue to want to invest in New York State. I mean, that's that's it because it will bring a lot of jobs. And you know, contrasting with almost any other kind of factory, uh, having a, a cannabis plant or factory. Uh, uh, is 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 kind of ideal. You yeah. Know? There's no there's no pollution. And, and now that uh, it, it it could possibly help uh, the local economy. Like a perfect example I, I could think of is Thompson, the town of Thompson. Um, the casino yeah. came in while the casino is not, uh, you know, the saving grace that it it was sort of uh, promoted to be. Um, it has helped the town of Thompson lower their property taxes. Um, just wow. because there's so much money coming in to, to copper to the town of Thompson. Um, they're, they're able to, you know, do projects and not put the burden on the taxpayers. So the past, I believe, four or five years, 
of of they have been lowering their property taxes. Wow, that's almost yeah. unheard of in New York State. Yeah. Wow. Well, that's the, there you go. So that's the sort of benefit that we can get from these kinds of um, low impact. I think of them as low impact. Uh, you know, uh, businesses. Uh, you know, a lot of employees, a lot of money, um, and a, and in the cannabis case, a product that goes out in in small trucks a few times a week. You know, and the only only trucks that come in bring in, you know, I guess um, fertilizer. <laughs> so it's, it's uh, there's no smoke, uh, there's very little noise, uh, just growing plants, yeah. and even the odor. There's always that been that fuss about this. Oh, it's going to smell bad. Well, actually, they scrub the air uh, before it's released from from their laboratory mm. settings, so you don't even really smell it. Right. So that's. That's that's where we're at. We've we've got our hopes back that it'll get going now. Um, we'll have to see, but um, yeah, 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 that was that one. So that was that was on the upside. Um, I have a downside story as well, um, kind of frightening and sort of depressing. Um, this is the the story of Dan McAlpin, uh, who who was killed um, in his home on uh, September ninth uh, last year. Um, and uh he was he, the, the the video is all all there on the attorney general's office uh, website uh you can anybody can look at it uh and it shows quite clearly he was shot three times in the back as he lay prone on the floor having been tased and already shot once uh three shots fired into his back by a trooper uh everybody knows who the trooper is i, I won't use his name on the radio but it's all it's all out there um and the attorney general's office has still not done anything. And the, the McAlpins, uh, Dan's parents, um, have, they, they haven't heard anything. Uh, they, they, they had the initial two or three days after the event, they had people go all very, you know, oh, we're here for you. We'll do whatever we can, blah, blah, blah. You know, and then, uh, uh, you know, give us a call whenever. And Mary McAlpin told me, uh, well, we called them and we never heard back. Now, what, what is that? I mean, what is going on? Uh, because the, 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 the killer is a state trooper, the, they, the wheels of justice don't move. Is that really what it is? Um, I don't know. It's, 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 um, it's astonishing. You know, and, and, you know, I, I, my article this week basically, uh, you know, relies on a, an interview with an EMT and a Cragsmore fire person uh, who was there and has considerable experience with these sort of scenes and, and noted that it was chaotic, which it should not be. Uh, the, you know, the, there, there's training and rules regarding how police operate at these scenes and, um, you know, uh, the, Anyway, uh, read the Sean Gump Journal this week. It's all there because it goes on and on. But you know, we 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 rely on the police. We 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 regard the police as being a pillar of our civilization, holding things together. And when police go bad uh, or make a mistake, I mean, it could just simply have been panic in an honest mistake. And we get, we've got to give that uh, put that out there. But whatever it is. When they are in charge of a scene and they're carrying lethal force in their sidearms, we have to trust them. 
They have to be trustable. Hmm. If it turns into a situation where you can't trust them, well, we're not going to call them. <laughs> you know? I mean, what, if, if, they, if they're going to turn into something like, like this can happen at any time, whenever the police show up, then we're all gradually going to have a very different view of the police. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. Well, Chris, thank you so much for that. We're talking to Chris Rowley from the Schwanka Journal. Let us know what's happening in Ellenville and Ulster County. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Talking to Ilian Hutchison from the Hollywood Performing Arts Center. Talking about Culture Fest that's happening this weekend and celebrating 50 years of hip-hop. We'll be right back. You're listening to The Local Edition, winner of two Excellence in Broadcasting Awards from the New York State Broadcasters Association. Radio Catskill. Listen local. Radio Catskill's Community Awards return September 28th. Join us as we honor the Chantilly Music Festival and Weekend of Chamber Music, both of which are celebrating their 30th anniversaries this year, plus many other local arts organizations. There will be hors d'oeuvres, drinks, good company, and you. Radio Catskills Community Awards, September 28th, Seminary Hill Orchard and Cidery, Calicoon. Tickets at WJFFRadio.org. Celebrates 50th anniversary of hip hop and culture. The Hollywood Performing Arts Center, along with the Black Library in Monticello, celebrates 50th anniversary of hip hop with Culture Fest, 50 Years of Hip Hop. It's an outdoor event. This is happening on Saturday. On, excuse me, on Sunday, September 17th, from 2 to 7 p.m. at Fireman's Park in Hurleyville. Sorry for the technical difficulties there. Um, on the phone with us now is the co-director of the 8th Pack, Eliana Hutchison, to give us more details about the Culture Fest, and which will showcase local talent and dance performances, spoken word, artwork, and musical acts. Um, yeah, we're excited about this. So um, this year is the 50th uh, anniversary of hip-hop. And, you know, this is a global um, music genre. Mm -hmm. It's a culture. Um, so we're, we're excited to kind of share a lot of the local um, hip-hop artists who are actually in our area, which um, it's great to sort of support, you know, our local and um, kind of independent artists. So. Absolutely. You know, you're talking about, like you said, it's a global phenomenon, really. And now you have it not only... Have it recognizing the importance of it, but you also bring it it to a local level. You're bringing it, you're bringing these local artists 
that we have here in the region and had given them exposure and celebrating what we have here locally. Is this the first time you have the Cultural Fest at Hurleyville? Yeah, this is our first Culture Fest. We, we will uh, repeat it um, yearly with sort of different genres. Um, and so this year we have uh, Twin Jaws, um, Kamari, um, Cam 13, Drew Sullivan, Ice the God, um, Calabunga Boys, uh, Dolly Star. We have quite a few really amazing artists who will be performing. Um, we like to do these. So we do in June, we do a music festival. Um, and so this is kind of our second uh, in the year, our second outdoor festival. Right, right. Yeah, you, yeah. It, it seems like the, the, this particular year you've been having a lot. It's like that musical festival, then you had the Pride uh, event, mm-hmm. um, and now yeah. you have another outdoor event he- happening here this yeah. month. So it's great that the Hurleyville is really involving the community that way. Well, I want to just talk about um, the culture of hip-hop and, and your thoughts on how the culture of hip-hop has evolved over the past like five decades and, and how do you think this will be reflected in Sunday's uh, programming? Um, well, we'll have, we have, we'll be playing some of the classic, uh, songs from the 80s. Um, we actually have Oliver King doing a, um, little talk about, um, the history as well as, uh, a large art piece, um, that's a visual history of the, um, hip hop. And we also have lyrics from songs that are spoken as in spoken word. Um, because it's it's often you kind of miss the fact that it's really poetry to music, um, and this idea of doing poetry and writing and sort of reflecting on people's personal experiences and stuff is is really the crux of of hip hop. It's, it's storytelling, right. um, and so we really wanted to include that in there. Whereas sometimes you it's hard to hear what the story is if you're not um, kind of comfortable, uh, kind of parsing out the pacing in, in some of the songs. And so um, we really, I really wanted to make sure that there was a way that people really could hear kind of how kind of personal and profound a lot of the lyrics are. Right, right. Yeah, because it, maybe it could be distracted by the music, it could be distracted by all the, the effects that are going on. And, and once you delve into the words and I guess, uh, you know, all music, all, all lyrics are a form of poetry and to, but to really hear the poetry and to really hear, I guess, the the meaning and the contents of what this uh, person was um, performing about. Um, I mean, I had a question about that. Like, you know, what role does spoken word have in, in celebration of hip hop's history? Um, you mentioned some of that. I don't know if you want to expand more of that and also maybe uh, list who else is going doing some some spoken word. You mentioned Oliver King, who's uh, very well known here in Solomon Catskills, uh, does the Frederick Douglass um, and also the MLK performances. Um, but if you want to delve in a little more about uh, how is spoken word uh, has a role in, in, in the history of hip-hop? Um, I think the, the, the idea of using words and um, sort of rhythm in order to tell a story is as old as it can get, really. Um, and then uh, we kind of, uh, kind of point on, like, Nikki Giovanni, who um, did poetry to music um, in, yeah, historically just, this idea that um, in order to remember a, a storyline and to remember and to be able to repeat um, a, a way of, of telling, you, you really put it to a rhythm. And so it's so inherent to the way kind of humans remember and 
you know, hear stories and plot lines. Right. right. So it's, it's so foundational, I think. And you, you're talking about not only performances, but you also are talking about having artwork there. And where would the artwork be displayed? Would that be displayed in the Gallery 221 or um, somewhere outdoors? It'll actually be in the um, cinema. Okay. Uh, and there'll be video of some, like, rap battles and things um, on the just in, in a loop on in the cinema. Um, but the artwork is by Tim Fielder, and it is a visual, basically, comic book um, that kind of goes through the entire history of hip-hop with all of the key artists, um, starting, you know, of course, with um, DJ Herc, Cool Herc, and going all the way to contemporary time. Right. And it's great that you are partnering with the Black Library in Monticello. Can you talk about that? Can you talk about the inspiration for this festival, and, and how did the collaboration between the Hurleyville Performing Arts Center and the Black Library come about? Um, well, Douglas Schindler and Mike Davis, the two directors of the uh, Black Library, are, are actually they're, they're actually experts kind of on <laughs> on the on hip hop. They are they are avid fans. Um, Douglas has a, a artwork where he's taken the m- meter and the verse and sort of highlighted them out so that it creates this really kind of interesting color uh, pattern um, in just the way that the song's written out. Um, they actually did also a, a hip-hop presentation um, as part of one of their programmings back in the summer. Um, so, yeah, it was a, it was a really natural collaboration. Um, and they had a lot of recommendations on local artists as well who could perform for us. So is this a free event? How can folks, do they need to uh, register? Do they need to buy tickets? What can you tell us about uh, how can people attend the Culture Fest uh, celebrating 50 years of hip-hop? Yes, it is a free event. Um, It is outdoors, so you just come right to Main Street, Hurleyville, um, right in front of the Tango Cafe um, and right next to the Hurleyville Arts Center. Um, it is a free event. We do have a recommended um, $10 donation. Uh, we do have raffles, um, and we have uh, you know our wonderful sponsors, of course, as well. So Sullivan County Cat, uh, Catskills Visitors Association, um, Bridge and Tunnel Brewery, Formaggio, um, the Hurleyville General Store, Bold Gold, uh, the Tango Cafe, and, of course, you guys, Catskill, Radio Catskill. Um, so it's been, you know, it's it's really... Truly a really community-supported event, so we're really excited to, to put it on. Yeah, absolutely, and it's, it's a great event that the first one is happening this Sunday, the Culture Fest, uh, 50 Years of Hip-Hop, celebrating 50 Years of Hip-Hop. I said it's happening on Sunday, September 17th, 2 to 7 p.m. in Hurleyville. Um, just look for uh, the Hurleyville Performing Arts Center, and you see everyone. Just follow the crowd. That's what I always say. Just follow the crowd. You get there, so. <laughs> um, is, before we go, is there anything else I have not touched on uh, that you would like to uh, folks to know about? Uh, no, just keep an eye out on our website for our, uh, all of our upcoming events. We do have our Indigenous uh, Voices series coming in October, and we have um, several movies uh, are playing, so we'll definitely keep an eye out on our website, and uh, yeah, awesome. we hope to see you there. Definitely. We're talking to the co-director of the Hurleville Performing Arts Center, Ilian Hutchison, let us know about the Culture Fest of 50 Years of Hip Hop, celebrating it this Sunday at the Hurleyville Performing Arts Center in Hurleyville. Thank you so much for joining us on the program. Thank you for having me. 
And that does it for the local edition. We'll be back on Monday talking to the Sullivan County government. We're talking to the Office for the Aging, talking about the senior bus. And you're also checking in with the Sullivan County Democrat. Find out what's happening, what happened over the weekend. If you ever miss a show, we have a podcast. You can find us anywhere you find your favorite podcast. Google, Apple, Stitcher. Search for WJFF, the local edition. Subscribe, share it, tell your friends. Find us on social media. We're at WJFF Radio Catskill. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Oh, not Twitter anymore. Sorry about that. We're on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. Also on Threads. You can visit our website, wjffradio.org slash the local edition. You can find upcoming guests, see past guests. You can even listen to the show. You've been listening to the local edition. I've been your host, Patricia Urbio. Have a good night, Lucy. This is Radio Catsco, your NPR station, WJFF Jeffersonville. Coming up for you is The Daily. Then right after that, starts off the music. Starts off with the mixtape. Have a great weekend, everyone. Stay safe. Be safe. Enjoy also the 50th anniversary 50th anniversary hip-hop celebration is happening in Hurleyville this weekend. Swinging while I'm singing. Hey! Giving what you're getting. Knowing what I'm knowing while I'm playing.